Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, created and hosted by me, podcaster Belle Crawford. Now on the show, it's a re-release episode with Melanie C. Yep, Sporty Spice. Yep, a freaking Spice Girl. I chatted with Melanie in 2020 and I know I keep banging on about it, but come on, it's one of the best parts of my life. Gosh, time's really flown over the last few years. It's absolutely blurred, has it not? And with new people joining us and also not everyone always scrolls all the way back, there is a four and a half year backlog, so it is a bit of scrolling. It's time for you to listen. If you haven't already, or maybe you did, and you know, that time, what, what even happened? What's going on? Listen again. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, please subscribe or hit follow on your podcast app now and follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Right, let's get into it. When I grew up watching the Spice Girls, I always could notice I kind of related to Melanie because even if you watch interviews now, the other girls were so loud and out there and that's all cool. But I think I was a bit like that too, where I used to retreat in those situations. If I could go back and tell little Belly when she was like seven years old, thinking Melanie C was the best and oh my God. And then one day knowing that I would get to speak with her for like 50 minutes on a Zoom call, like, oh, and like laugh and she laughs at me. We're chatting like mates honestly. So to be able to do that, I'm quite proud of myself because it was like a, a persistent hustle and it just worked out when I did it. I'm Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, especially sometimes when you have downs and you have those ups and you're like, yes, make the most of them. So to be able to share this with you is super cool. On reflection, Melanie shares everything you want to know about the Spice Girls in this chat. We really built a bond. We were able to vibe off each other and she trusted me to speak about such personal things in a way she never had in that much depth and rawness before. Not that I'd heard and trust me, I've listened and watched every Melanie C interview while I was researching for this. Plus, she's got a great laugh on her and we laugh a lot. Let's get into the original conversation with Melanie C. When I first started working on the Self Love Club, I wrote a list of my dream guests and Melanie C was first on that list and this week she's on. Someone who was part of the creation of Girl Power, I've always looked up to her so much. She's incredibly down to earth, a normal girl who went on to do phenomenal things. It's very kind of Melanie to do this and I know you're going to love this episode where we have a lot of laughs and the best chats. A member of the most iconic and biggest female group in history, the Spice Girls, Melanie has had 11 UK number ones, more than any other female artist in chart history, and has sold over 105 million records. In this episode, we talk about Melanie's new music and solo career, all things the Spice Girls, the stories you want to know, the highs and lows of fame, girl power, and a very honest discussion about mental health, self-care, and recovery. 
You can watch the full video for this plus heaps of IGTV clips on my Belle Crawford and Self Love Club podcast Instagrams. Links are in the show notes of this episode. Right, let's get into it. We are so lucky to have Melanie C on the Self Love Club podcast. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Melanie, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate this. Oh, I, it's my pleasure. It's lovely to speak to you. You're so far away, but I know. the wonderful thing about technology is I, I feel connected to people, even though we're very isolated at this moment in time. Yeah, how have you been coping? How is your family? You guys all okay? You know, we're all healthy, which is the main thing, um, but it's challenging. It really is. We have an interesting family dynamic. I have two stepchildren and we have them half of the week. So we just have this like kind of crazy routine going on. And sometimes we have a lot of fun and sometimes we just want to kill each other. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit up and down. Oh, <laughs> Hey, I know that you've been working on new music. Um, after the reunion, you were in the studio recording. I love who I am. Tell us about all your new music. Well, I knew I wanted to make a new record. And when I was talking to the girls before we decided to get on the road, I knew once that started, I wouldn't have time to do anything. So I did a few sessions before the Spice Girl shows. And then when I was with them on tour, I just felt really reflective because I think after... It being such a long time since I'd been on stage as Sporty Spice, I was a little bit nervous to whether I could become her again. And quite quickly, I realised I don't become her, I am her. Mm. You know, it's a huge part of who I am and it's inside of me and it's never gone away. So it just made me start thinking about all of the different moments in my life, whether it be through my childhood, through my career, the different, you know, styles of music I've done or the different ways I've looked in my life. And I just thought, you know what we never do? We never celebrate the difficult times because we celebrate our successes always. But we've got through the hard times and we really should acknowledge and celebrate that too. Mm. And it just got my mind thinking about how we all could do with just accepting every aspect of ourselves. And that's really the inspiration behind this whole album. And Who I Am was the great introduction to that. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool you're making new music because you have done so... You've, this is your eighth album, right? Solo album. Mm. Oh my yeah, God. I know. It's crazy. I can't believe it. It's like you just blink and it's 10 years later, you know? It's, it's crazy. You know, this time's gone quickly, but I fit so much into it, so I feel very lucky. Yeah. Can't wait to hear more of it. When can we expect more of it coming out? Really soon. Is really it a soon. secret? Yeah, cool. um, Well, I luckily, when I shot the video for Who I Am, I also, also shot the video for my next single. So we have been preparing to get that out there. So that's going to be coming really soon. Um, yeah, we're just putting the final touches to it. And, and also to the album. Um, I had my first studio session today, socially distanced, <laughs> as things, the lockdowns relaxed a little bit here in the UK. Um, so it was really nice to be back in the studio environment. I was locked away in the vocal booth and my engineer was in the control room. But it was just nice to yeah. be somewhere different, you know? Yeah, that's so good. We'll talk more about all of that soon. But take us back. Growing up, did you know what you wanted to be and what you wanted to do? I think I did from a really young age. 
my my memories growing up i think i was probably about eight years old when i started to go to dance class and i did lots of different styles of dancing and singing and acting and it was the only thing i ever wanted it was kind of my passion from that moment and i always knew it was really difficult to get into any kind of industry like that you know any kind of showbiz whether it be theater or music I, you know, but I just, I just loved it and I pursued it and I went to performing arts college when I was 16 and I was training to work in theatre because I thought, you know, I'd love to do music, but it's so, so difficult to get into. My mum had been in a band, she'd been signed in the 70s, but things hadn't quite worked out for her. So I kind of knew, you know, from her story that things were tough. Yeah, little did I know I was going to be part of one of the biggest girl bands of all time. Yeah, and how did that all begin? Because I understand that you auditioned for this group they were putting together. Is that right? Yeah, so can, can, I'm just going to go on to that. No, you're fine. In the drive. Take, no, take, your, take your time. Oh, it's no stress it. at all. Thank you, Melanie. <laughs> Get the bloody kids back to school. <laughs> <laughs> By the so, way, your hair looks amazing. Like, what do you do to your hair? It's so beautiful and straight. Do you oh style gosh, it or you know what, what do you I've do? Got, I've got so much spray in it to cover the greys. <laughs> no. I've just, I've just, I've just put the straightness to it a bit. Oh my I'm goodness. not very good at hair. Yours, so it just looks go. so good. Looks so oh, good. Thank you. Anyway, I got distracted by that. <laughs> hey, um, so, yeah, so we we're talking about how did the Spice Girls all begin? You auditioned, is that correct, for a group they were putting together? That's right. So I had been to performing arts college for four years, three years rather, and you know I was auditioning for West End shows. And I was, you know, really struggling. I, I was getting a few recalls, but I just didn't get a job. And I was sitting in a dance studio in central London, and I was with one of my, my best girlfriends, who we still, you know, have a lot of time together now. And someone handed us a flyer, and it said, are you between 18 and 24? You know, are you outgoing? Do you like to sing, dance, blah, blah, blah? There's an audition for a girl band. So I looked at this piece of paper and I said to her, that's it, that's what I'm going to do. And I went along to the audition and I was recalled. And when I was recalled, I had tonsillitis. I was sick, I couldn't even get out of bed. So I had my mum call them, I couldn't speak. My mum called them, begged them to give me a week to recover, to come back and sing again for them. And they said, no, sorry, we, we've picked, we've chosen the girls, that's, you know, it's too late. So I thought, oh, well, never mind. It wasn't meant to be. I think when you grow up and doing lots of auditions and things, you're quite used to things not going the way you want them to, you know? And a couple of weeks later, I got another phone call to say, oh, something hasn't worked out with one of the girls. Will you come down and sing for us? So I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is my chance. So I went down and I met Jerry, Victoria, Melanie, and a girl called Michelle. And from that day, I became part of this band. And then we were held up together for a few weeks. And one of the girls, um, you know, didn't really work out. She didn't know whether she wanted to continue her studies or be part of the band. But the other four of us were like so single-minded. We were like, no, that's not good enough. You have to be dedicated. <laughs> and she decided to, you know, to move on. And that's when Emma came along. And the minute she came along, everything changed. There was this like weird energy between us, this incredible dynamic. And then we became the Spice Girls. And from then on, it all happened quite quickly. Yeah, there is this, I've heard that there's a misconception you've spoken about, that it was manufactured, but 
It really wasn't. And the way you dress and your characters and, like, you know, you being Sporty Spice, that was all a natural thing, wasn't it? It wasn't like you dressed like this. You were just being yourselves. Yeah. It's funny because in the early days, we were, you know, obviously looking to girl bands before us. And traditionally, a lot of girl bands or a lot of pop bands kind of dress the same or they're coordinated. Um, you know, so we were trying to find our way. We did... We did some outfits where we'd all wear little dresses. And then we, I remember we did the showcase and we all had little Adidas t-shirts on with jeans. And there was always someone that was really uncomfortable. And when we used to rock up to rehearsals, I'd be in like a trackie. And then Emma would often wear a little baby doll dress. Jerry always had some wacky like secondhand store outfit on. <laughs> and like Mel was always like really cool. And we just looked in the mirror and we were like, why don't we just like wear what we wear? And that was it then. And we never thought about it that much, but it was, I suppose, so different to anyone before us that we were given these names. It was through a magazine, gave us our nicknames and they stuck. And we almost became caricatures of our names, you know, so it was all really fun. When did you realise, when did you click that this was actually really huge and you were part of this iconic group, this, you know, the biggest girl band ever? Did you sort of realise that or were you just sort of living in this moment? We always had really big ideas. And the first management we worked with that auditioned us used to say, you know, girls, don't get ahead of yourselves, <laughs> you know, don't get too cocky. But we just knew there was something special going on. You know, we could feel it. And whether part of that was our determination and, you know, the, the single-minded vision that we all shared, I don't know. But we, we left our first management and then we started writing and recording and working with writers, producers and meeting new management. And yet we were working on the record. We had, we probably had most of the first album demoed and I was in my tracksuit and Victoria's in her little black dress. And, you know, we were pretty much looking and sounding as we did when we were launched onto the world. So, yeah, it, it was quite organic and, yeah. and bizarre. And even with our management, you know, when we signed with Simon Fuller, who was the manager that took us to Virgin Records and then, you know, made the movie and conquered the world, he still would say to us, girls, don't get ahead of yourselves. And we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to be the biggest band in the world. <laughs> so we were big stars even when no one knew who the hell we were. <laughs> but at the same time, you're so down to earth. You didn't seem like you had big egos, if you know what I mean. And that's, I think there's a difference between knowing that you want to do big things and, and just, yeah, believing in yourself, I guess. And that's what you had. Yeah, we did. We had so much self-belief. And I think it kind of, it kept like snowballing, because we did this showcase, which was the first time we'd been exposed to any kind of audience. And it was an industry audience. And, you know, we were only kids, so we were so naive. We weren't nervous. We were just excited. And we could feel in the room, we could feel that they were really intrigued and people were excited. So that boosted our confidence again. And then when we started going out to labels and, and magazines and stuff was when we started to encounter some sexism. Because at the time you know, the, the music industry was predominantly ruled by boys and boy bands in the pop world, you know, especially. So that's when we realised that actually we, we had a voice and it was important that we had to use it. And that's really when we started talking about girl power. Yeah, you, you girls created girl power. Was it through those experiences of, you know, experiencing a bit of sexism? And did you know that that's what you guys wanted to do? 
when we first got together, we just wanted to be a band. We wanted to be famous. We wanted to perform. We wanted to go all over the world. We didn't really think about having a message. So that just really did happen naturally and really quite quickly as well, mm. because you know, the music industry, it has improved, but it's still very male dominated, yeah, you know, especially yeah. behind the scenes. So that was something we realised we had to be a girl band for girls. That's what we wanted. And little did we know that we weren't only appealing to girls, but we have always had a huge fan base in the LGBTQ plus community that has continued to stay with us to this day. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, you were pioneers in that way of, you know, in an industry which is so heavily male dominated and, you know, there's these attitudes towards women. It must have been, was it a bit hard at times? Do you know what the saving grace for us girls was that we had each other? And, you know, we were formidable. And I know there were so many situations and so many things we did that I never would have done on my own. You know, you know, it's like when you're with a group of friends and you just get, you know, you have that courage because someone's got your back. And, you know, we were outrageous. We did crazy things. I mean, Mel B would probably do these things on her own, but not all of us would. So it was, you know, I think we were quite intimidating. And to like big players like men high up in the music industry when these five girls would come in and really not give a fuck you know they they didn't know what was going on that's <laughs> so good I love that chemistry yeah. you, you girls just instantly sort of had I gotta ask you what is it like being a Spice Girl because I mean most of us growing up wanted to be one I remember walking out of the Spice World movie thinking I was like I am a Spice Girl you know like we we all wanted to be one so what's it like being yeah. one it's awesome. <laughs> I love being a Spice Girl. I, it's funny because, you know, people often ask me, you know, how does it feel to be a Spice Girl? Do you forget you're a Spice Girl? I wake up every day going, I'm a Spice Girl. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I also wanted to ask about the tabloid media. I mean, that must have been really hard being in that environment where, you know, there was a lot of attention, a lot of pressure. What was that like? I mean, obviously you were living your dream, but that must have also been quite hard as well. Yeah, it's interesting because the world is so different now. And I think that young people, you know, not just young people in the public eye, just young people in general, they grew up with so much more pressure because of social media. But we didn't have that in the 90s. But what we did have was a very, very cruel tabloid media in the UK, especially and as a young person, like living your dream, you know, fulfilling this fantasy, you never really think about there being negatives. You know, when you grow up having a, a dream, you only think of the, of the great stuff, right? Yeah. But everything has bad sides. So that was, yeah, that was hard. I think reading people's opinions of you, um, constantly being scrutinised, you know, the way that you look or the way that you speak or the things that you say, um, you know, being compared to each other, being compared to other people. I think as a young person who feels a little bit vulnerable and also, you know, in my 20s, and I think like lots of people in their 20s, you're kind of trying to figure out who you are anyway, you know, so to have other people's opinions thrust in your face is really confusing. Yeah, your 20s can be quite an insecure time. And I guess you were on this massive high and you were living in this, you know, you were doing your dream, you were living in this amazing world. But you're right, there must have been some downsides. Yeah, it's tough. I think dealing with that, the tabloid media aspect was difficult. And I don't think you realise how much fame affects not only you, but everybody around you. You know, it affects your family, it affects your friends. 
Well, four of us had siblings who were 17 when Wannabe became a hit. And that's a difficult age as well, you know, and they were kind of involved without asking to be, you know, they were our kids, brothers and sisters. So they had to deal with, you know, people being jealous and people bullying them. And, you know, so there, there's lots, lots of things you don't really think about when you go into it. Mm. What about some of the good things? Like what's the best things? <laughs> Obviously best living thing, your dream. Yeah. Being on stage. Yeah. I mean, for me, even today, I'm so fortunate. I, you know, I still make music as a solo artist. I occasionally have the opportunity to hang out with the girls and do things. I DJ, I do some TV, I do some radio, I've done theatre, but being on stage and singing your own songs is the ultimate. And it's always been my absolute first love. Mm. And I don't think that will ever change. And it's kind of, you know, the reason for everything that I do, you know, because it all leads to that point of standing on that stage, connecting with an audience, expressing yourself, you know, getting that energy back. And yeah, that is what it's all about for me. Mm. When you guys were in the peak of the time, what was that like? I mean, you must have been so crazy busy. Your life just must have been nonstop. What was that sort yeah. of high like, I guess? Yeah, it was insane because, you know, we were on this roller coaster and it was a really fun one. But we were away from home. We were missing our family and our friends. Um, everything we did was super high profile. You know, when I think about it now, you know, some of the... Um, award ceremonies that we did and some of the TV shows that we did and the thought of it now just makes me feel sick with anxiety but we just got on with it you know we had each other but I think in you know if you're lucky enough to have that kind of success and the you know how busy the work schedule is you're living on adrenaline you know it's just go 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 and there has to come a time and I think this happens to all young artists and pop bands where everybody just has to have a break. It's almost like everybody just kind of spontaneously combusts. It's quite a short-lived thing. Mm, and I know that you've been quite open about your mental health struggles. I know it's very personal, so we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but all of that attention, all that pressure, that's that's normal for that to have an impact on a person. Yeah, I, I think with fame, it affects everybody differently. And, you know, definitely the, you know, the issues that I had, I don't blame anything or anyone, but I just think it's a combination of everything that happens, you know, it's getting your head around it and dealing with the changes in your life. And, and yeah, it, it was hard, but, you know, I think mental health is, is something that I really think the majority of us struggle with at times. You know, I think you're really fortunate if you don't. Everybody has down days. And I think, especially with what's going on in the world right now, it's a time of uncertainty and a lot of people are very isolated and afraid um, for their safety, for the safety of their loved ones. And, you know, something like that, it, it really can be a catalyst to, you know, to, to send your mind racing. Mm, yeah, and so you got to a point, I think I've heard you speak about, it was sort of at the end of the, when you were the big time at the Spice Girls, where you did have a bit of a tough time, and you'd also been quite open about your, you know, exercise and your disordered eating as well. Do you think that mm -hmm. was all part of that, all that pressure that you were going through as well? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, it's complicated. It's really difficult to just pinpoint it to, to one, two or three things, but I think you know, feeling insecure, 
seeing my image everywhere and it being scrutinized constantly, guilt was part of it too. You know, I grew up in a working class environment. I, you know, I come from a background where, you know, people have always had to struggle to make ends meet. And then here was me living my dream, earning ridiculous amounts of money. And, and I felt guilty. And then I felt like I had to deserve what had happened to me. And, and I think I, I was, you know, punishing myself by trying to make myself perfect to deserve everything that, that had happened to me. So it's, you know, it's really complex. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah. there is a lot of that. I, I can relate with that, you know, that perfection it's like you want everything to be perfect, but you're in an environment where you are doing things so well, but you can't control everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's another part of it, too, where so much of your life is out of control or controlled by somebody else. You do start to control the things you have, you know, some mm. control over. Yeah. yeah. When did you get to a point where you were sort of like, OK, I want to get better. I want to work on this. I think I was in denial for a long time and I also felt like I didn't have a choice. I felt like that was the way I had to be, so I had to just get on with it. And then we toured in 1998 and Melanie and Victoria got pregnant, so we knew there was going to be a natural break. And I was too scared to stop, I think partly because I didn't want to face some of the issues I was dealing with. Um, but I wanted some space. I needed to be on my own. I needed to express myself as an individual. You know, I felt like I had things I wanted to say um, on my own. So I went off to LA and I, and I made my first album, Northern Star. And that was the time when I started, you know, my internal dialogue started changing from this is how you have to be, this is how you have to be, there's no choice, this is what you got to do, to, okay, we need to address this. This isn't right. You can't carry on like this. That's when I got my first personal trainer and I, um, you know, I got help with my eating, but it was baby steps and I hadn't fully allowed myself. I mean, I didn't get professional help from, you know, medical help, you know, which I actually needed. And my body took that away from me because I quite quickly felt really down. I was struggling to get out of bed and I started binge eating, I think probably because my body was so starved of nourishment because I hadn't eaten properly for years mm. um, that my body kind of took the, the decision for me. And that's when I went to my GP and he diagnosed me with depression. And I was so relieved because I thought, oh, my God, it's got a name. You know, it's something that can be treated and I can get help with and get better. So that was like the first step truly on my road to recovery. The rest of my conversation with Melanie C will continue after this very quick break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What were some of those darkest moments like you talk about, you know, being in bed, not being able to get up? I think a lot of us can relate to that. That's really hard. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And a lot of it was happening through the promotion of my first album. And that album was really successful. So I was really busy. And it was hard because, you know, I had this incredible opportunity and I love my work. 
And I used to, you just have like this little joke that I used to have like this on off switch, you know, cause I'd be, sometimes I'd be in a dressing room in floods of tears and then I'd have to like switch it on for the cameras kind of thing, which I think a lot of performers sadly go through that. Mm. We all have bad days, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that was really, really tough. Yeah. I think the darkest days were, I mean, I, I don't think I canceled much work, but there was definitely days when I had a lot of anxiety. I, I didn't want to leave the house. Um, so that was, yeah, really, really tough. Yeah. How did you get through that time? I know you had, um, like you say, you had your doctor and people that were really helpful. You're obviously mm. very strong. How did you get through that time? There was times when I didn't know whether I'd ever feel better, you know. I, I, gosh, I mean, this is really, really brutal, but, you know, this is real life, right? I, I never had suicidal thoughts, but I often would go to bed and think, God, it'd be easier if I just didn't wake up, you know? Um, so that was kind of my darkest time. But even in those darkest moments, I always had this flicker of hope. And I think I'm such a determined person. I was like, this is not going to beat me, you know? Although at times it thought, I thought it might, um, but there was always just a glimmer, just that glimmer. And I just held on to that. And when I started to, you know, feel like I was having good days or the good days were closer together, sometimes it felt like one step forward and two steps back. But yeah, it was just a really long process. And I tried lots of different therapies and something I still have today and I love it is five element acupuncture. That's always been really helpful to me. I did take antidepressants for... I think it was about 18 months and I've always had talking therapies, which I think are very helpful when you find the right person for you. So yeah, there was lots, I can't say exactly what it was, a combination of all these things that helped to get me better. My acupuncturist said to me once, he said, it took you a long time to get yourself in this state. So it's going to take you some time to get better, you know, and that kind of, that made me feel better because I just thought, that's fair enough. You know, there's no magic wand. I'm not going to heal overnight. Mm. So it was a long and sometimes frustrating process. Yeah. How are you feeling these days? I know that was a while ago, but, you know, you yeah. obviously got a lot of skills there. How, like, I mean, we all go through these times and you, you, you know, you went through an incredible time that none of us can really relate to. Um, how do you keep yourself well these days? So just doing all those things all the time, your self-care, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I learned my toolkit, which was eating well, you know, drinking plenty of water, not drinking too much alcohol, trying to get enough sleep, exercising, but not too much. You know, it's all we know. We know what's yeah. good for us, you know, but it's boring. <laughs> but um, if you just I think if you just kind of have like a reasonable balance of all of those things. And then sometimes if I start to feel like a bit down or a bit anxious, then I will just not drink alcohol. You know, I'll just have a few weeks because I don't drink much alcohol anyway. But, you know, for me, that's kind of something that can just send me, you know, on a bit of a downward spiral, feeling negative and feeling anxious. So that will be cut out. And it's interesting. You can always kind of go, mm, yeah, I haven't been sleeping great. You know, so just trying, yeah, sometimes it's hard, you know, people suffer with insomnia, but um, but just, yeah, really trying to be kind to yourself. And as I've got older, the, the new thing I've added to my toolkit is like literally 
that inner dialogue of being kind, because I've said this in quite a few interviews, it's incredible. The way we speak to ourselves inside our heads, we would never speak to anybody else like that. You know, we are so cruel. I think especially women, we can be so cruel and disgusting to ourselves, the language we use in our heads to ourselves. And so I make a real conscious effort to not allow myself to do that. You know, I'd never call myself stupid or lazy or fat or, you know, all of those things, which as women, I think most of us do from time to time. Mm. It's not allowed. We're not having it. You know, we can acknowledge and say, okay, I understand you feel like that, <laughs> but that's bollocks. <laughs> because, you know, because we're amazing. And I think in my darkest times, I also, I thought about my friends and I have the most wonderful friends. And I would sometimes think, well, I can't be that bad if they're my friends because they're bloody great. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And what was it like also, what was it like when you were sort of doing your own thing, which I know you loved doing, but after that real peak of fame with the Spice Girls, then sort of integrating back into, I guess, normal life. I've heard you speak about this a bit. Was that kind of hard? It was so weird. It was so weird. I mean, you have to adjust to being, you know, in the public eye and, you know, being at one point one of the most famous people in the world, you know, so recognisable because we were on crisp packets and chocolate bars and we were everywhere. <laughs> so you have to adjust to that. And then you're right, when it slows down and the, the pace is different, you have to kind of, yeah, integrate back into society. That was that was weird. And I, and I still even... <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself when I'm on public transport because I, I couldn't take public transport for a long time. And now I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm on the bus. And I'm like, Woo. Oh my so God. It's really weird. Yeah. You kind of crave normality, you know, yeah. all the things that, you know, usually could be a little bit tedious. Like when you don't have the chance to do that, it's kind of a novelty again. Obviously you were really busy on your own, but when you weren't touring with the girls, it must've been quite strange when all of a sudden you weren't so much, you know, they were having kids, you guys went on a bit of a break and you were doing your own thing. That must have been just a change in, in your normal, I guess. It was good because it was, you know, it was a bit of a relief because I love the girls and, of course, what we did was incredible, but it's intense. It was, you know, super intense being together all the time. We were always under a lot of pressure. And I think the thing is with the band, we had a lot of responsibility. You know, we had really young fans and we had the responsibility to each other. Mm. So... When I went off and, and did things alone and I could like, kind of be the master of my own destiny, you know, I didn't have to collaborate in any way. I could just do it yeah, my way. So it was actually, it was quite um, liberating mm. to be alone after yeah. th those years with the girls. Yeah. And you, you've done so well. So well done on all of that. It's so cool that you've, you've done you. so many albums and you, you've done incredibly well. What was it, like, what do you think everyone connected with you girls so much? What do you think, like, what was that? You know, I think a lot of it was because we are quite normal, you know, even though there's some crazy cats in that band. <laughs> we are pretty normal <laughs> girls at heart. And the individuality, I think, was really important as well. One of the great things about the Spice Girls is, we always go wrong. You know, we're not perfect in any way. And we've never claimed to be, you know, we're not the greatest singers in the world. We're not the greatest dancers in the world. We, we always look a little bit ramshackle and Jerry's always going wrong. And I think that 
because you know we weren't up on a pedestal you know i think people could really relate to us and and i think that was definitely part of the of the appeal yeah and i mean girls created girl power what does girl power and female empowerment mean to you and what did it mean to the spice girls it was our mission you know we wanted equality we shouted about girl power but that quite quickly changed became people power and really was about letting everybody feel important you know and everybody counted and everybody was welcome you know it was so inclusive that's what we've always wanted spice girls to be so when you say you know when you're a kid and you go to the movie and you think i am a spice girl we (laughs) wanted everyone to be you were the fans were spice girls you know even if they were boys they were spice girls that's what we wanted to achieve with girl power in the 90s and then what's been incredible is we've watched how that legacy has unfolded and there is a generation and you know obviously that the closest to me is the generation within the music industry so i hear so many young artists whether it's adele jesse j jesslyn i mean even beyonce's talked about being a fan of the spice girls you know it's just it's really incredible to hear and i think so many young women i often go to schools And I'll do, you know, little events in schools or talk to young girls. And and young girls now, they seem to be, and I know it's not everybody, and, you know, there there are different issues that they're dealing with, but they seem quite savvy, you know? And I kind of feel like girl power has really has really affected people, you know? It has the generation that were our fans have brought up these young girls who have got girl power, you know? And it's it's just this self-perpetuating amazing you know phenomena that is you know women being strong Mm. it's incredible no you're so right I think a lot of I can relate to that you girls did make us feel strong you you inspired us you know you made us feel like I always thought growing up I can do anything you know like and I think a lot Mm. of that comes down to what you girls did and we we grew up in peak Spice Girl time so you know that was that was huge for us what have been some of the biggest lessons and challenges along the way I think it's really, really important to trust your instincts. And I have the kind of personality where I often think people know better than me. You know, I think, oh, they know best. You know, or they must know better than me. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And when I've allowed myself to believe that, things have happened that have annoyed me because I just think, why didn't I stick with my gut instinct? You know, the the thing I felt, you know, maybe a little bit in in parts of my solo career, when I've trusted a record label to take, make decisions and not gone with what I wanted truly and honestly, and it's not gone the way that we've wanted it to go. I feel really frustrated. I just think you have to make your own mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to make a mistake, make your own, not somebody else's. That's really annoying. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, yeah, I think that is another issue, especially for like young women. I think we cannot trust our instincts and you should, and you must, because you know, it's powerful. Mm. And I wanted to touch on the fact as well that you actually, did you start your own record label? Yeah. You're an well, entrepreneur, gosh. aren't you? You're an, you're well, an entrepreneur. I, well, the funny thing is, right, I saw on Wikipedia that I'm an entrepreneur and I was like, <laughs> ah, entrepreneur, that's such rubbish. And then, you know, my brother said to me, well, you've got a record label. I was like, yeah, but, I, I, you know, it's not that I had this, like, big idea I was going to, like, become this big, like, record <laughs> industry mogul. Yeah. It was just that I had my um, relationship with Virgin Records broke down after my second album 
And I just had options. And my manager at the time was like, look, we can try and sign with another major. We can maybe sign with an independent or we can self-finance. You know, we can start our own label and just not have to answer to anybody, just do it our own way. And I just thought that's so exciting because it's a complete opposite of everything I've known in music. So we decided to take that route. And I have been self-financing and releasing independently since my third album in 2005. Wow. So um, that's been interesting. That's been challenging, especially because the industry has changed so much. Um, but it's it's really exciting because, you know, nothing stays the same. And it's nice to kind of, you know, figure out where it's going to go. Mm, yeah, new challenges with streaming and how everything works these days. But yeah. So good. And you also, did you name it after your, because you're in, you're into, your, I mean, everyone in, in the UK is into their football. You are named it, is it, true, <laughs> is it true that you named it after your Liverpool team? Yeah. You know, I, I am a big <laughs> Liverpool supporter. And because my family from Liverpool, I grew up just outside the city. So, um, yeah, you're either red or blue. You're born into it. Um so, yeah, always been a red girl, so that's the name of my... <laughs> so good. And the, the times that you have gotten back with the Spice Girls, you know, whether it's uh, tours back in the day, the Olympics, and then most recently your tour last year, what's that like getting back with the girls? And were you a little bit... Uh, is there a part of you that's ever apprehensive about doing it? Because it was not because of the girls, but it was a, it was a hard time at times for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and because of the girls sometimes <laughs> as well, totally. So I'd say the, the most um, nervous I was at working with the girls again was when we toured in 2007, because that was kind of the first time we had come back together. We'd had quite a break from each other because I think we needed it you know we all had to go off and find our way as individuals in our personal lives as well as in our careers and when we got back in 2007 I was so anxious but it's just that thing you know we've been through so much together and it's really unique what we've experienced and we were so young you know we've grown up together we know each other's families each other's siblings each other's kids we were there for the birth of some of each other's children you know so even if we spend time apart, even if we do have times when we're disagreeing about certain things, as soon as we get together in the room, it's just like yesterday, mm. you know, and it's fine and it's fun. And, and you know, and that energy is never gone. Yeah. So it's we're just so full of mischief. And again, you know, we just behave really badly. <laughs> but is there one that you really get on with the best? Um, do you know what? I have really different relationships with each of them and we all have very different relationships with each other. I just have these phases. Like, Jerry lives so close by to me. So, you know, often sometimes I'll be up there and my daughter and her daughter are good buddies. And then, you know... Emma and I have always been really close. And then Melanie and I really relate because of we come from very similar backgrounds. And it, it just, like, moves all the time. Yeah, you're like family, really. Yeah. It's a family yeah. vibe, isn't it? What was it like yeah. doing the... I actually came to your, one of your gigs at Wembley last year. Oh, your tour last year was incredible. What was that like doing that tour again? And please do more if you can. <laughs> I know. I really, really want to do more. It was incredible. It was so much more than we ever imagined we knew it would be great we knew it would be really fun and we were we were so determined to get the best creative and the best production and we just wanted it to be so nostalgic but modern and we wanted to really celebrate the 90s 
And it, it was perfect. You know, I don't think it could have gone any better. It was above and beyond our wildest dreams and the fans made that we just we never knew how much love was still out there for us and we were just blown away night after night it was amazing yeah was it fun stepping back in I mean you've never leave you never have left Sporty Spice but stepping yeah. back into Sporty Spice on stage and this time Sporty Spice has gotten fancy you had like sparkles and you know like wasn't just trackies mm-hmm. anymore you know no I know I had really expensive trainers on I had like Louis Vuitton trainers oh. and the girls were like really jealous of my shoes for the first time all the budget went on my shoes and I was like yeah about bloody time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you always leave me in trackies and they're the cheaper ones and you're out yeah exactly I used to get all the free stuff back in the day <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. No, thank you so much for doing that to her. It was honestly so – it was the best night of my life going to see you at Wembley, honestly. I was on an absolute, like, didn't want it to end, you know? Like, it was just like yeah, absolute I know, high. I know, Yeah. But, you know, it's so interesting because, I, you know, I've spoken to so many fans or, you know, people that I've been interviewed by or people who came over from all over the world to come and see us. So many people say it was the best night of my life, it even better was. than my wedding. <laughs> You're like, thank you, that's good. No, honestly, it was magical. It was absolutely magical. I just didn't, and it just went so fast. I was like, oh, no. And honestly, you guys banter on stage and everything. I just really hope that you, I know it's a big thing to do, but it would be really cool if, and I know Mel. I know. I know Mel. I know Mel B said that you girls were going to be coming to Australia and everything, like before it was even like. She's so funny how she does that. She's so naughty. Well, she does it because she believes if she says it enough, it's going to happen. <laughs> so she kept saying she kept like for years we weren't even talking about doing shows, and she was going, "Yeah, we're going on tour." We were like, "Mel, shut up!" <laughs> and then when it happened, she went, "Told you so." <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone down here has been so excited, and they were like, "Do you think they'll come down?" I was like, "I hope so," but like. Yeah, she got everyone really excited because she was, like, saying it was happening, you know. (laughs) Do you know what? We really wanted to and... um... Yeah, it's just hard it's a because lot. everyone's got to be comfortable with the timings and how long you're away and kids and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but please, you know, I keep everything crossed that at some point we will be back out there playing the territories we never got to. That's my number one wish. Yeah. What is some advice, knowing everything you know now and everything you've gone through, what's some advice you would give to your younger self? I would say to my younger self to just chill chill a bit, you know, enjoy everything. I think, you know, and this is, you know, the wisdom of age, isn't it? Just worrying about worrying about all those things that don't really need to be worried about. Um, I feel like I wasted such precious times because I was so caught up in my own stuff, um, which didn't serve me, you know? So, yeah, when people often ask me what I'd say to my younger self, and you know what I truly would say to her is, there's a better life for you, so go and start living it. Yeah, you're so right. It's so hard sometimes, especially when you're very critical or you're wanting to do really well, it is hard to not think, is this the best thing I could be doing better? And you do really get stuck in your head a bit. Yeah. I think, you know, there are so many people, I think so many performers are perfectionists and it's, it's such a waste of energy because there's no such thing as perfect. You know, we all want to do our best. And you know, what I've learned as I've got older is sometimes when you let go, you're better. Mm, you know you just have to I think faith is a really important thing we need to have faith in ourselves I think we are we are capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit and we should just like really you know really honor that yeah becoming a mum was at a time when you realized how incredible you are 
Yes. <laughs> Becoming a mum. It changed me in so many ways I didn't expect. Of course, life changes and is never the same again. Not wanting to quote a lyric. but um, <laughs> What a song, though. I, what a song, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> top tune, top tune. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was that thing. Like, I think I'd spent so many years being so critical of my body and then this perfect human being was made inside my body you know and she is the absolute light of my life she gives me hell most of the time but I cannot imagine life without her I can't even remember what it was like before she was here and I just feel so grateful to her she's made me feel so much you know proud of myself I, you know, I treat myself with more respect. Um, I make sure I'm treated by other people with more respect because I'm her teacher and I will not have her see that I will be treated badly by anybody because I don't want her to allow that to happen to herself, you know? Mm. Yeah, and that's like another thing is like self-worth and so, it's so important to know your own worth. And I, I'm so yeah. pleased that you, you, you realise that, you know, because you are... So incredible. You're so amazing. Oh, well, thank you. And you know what? I, of course, you know, there's loads of things I don't like about myself. I'd love to be, uh, you know, better. Uh, I don't know. I learn more things, learn a language, learn an instrument, you know, do all these things. I wish I was less annoyed about the mess that I'm looking at right now in my living room <laughs> and how the kids drive me crazy, leaving towels on the floor, you know, but there's, there's lots of things I'd like to change, but I am amazing. We are all amazing. You know what I mean? We just literally do not give ourselves credit. Yeah. You've given us so much advice throughout this and just even in the advice you've given to yourself, but what is some advice you would like to share with those listening? Because I'm sure that everyone would love a pep talk from a Spice Girl from Sporty Spice. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think it is. It's just those things. It's like we spend so much time focusing on the negative things we feel about ourselves. And why don't you just like flip it? Why don't you start thinking about the really great things about yourself? You know, commend yourself. I mean, you know what? When I was depressed, getting out of bed was an achievement, you know? So when right now being in lockdown, you know, everybody's working from home. Getting dressed is an achievement, you know, putting on some makeup. So I just think, yeah, really give yourself credit for those things that you just, you never do. Just flip it. Be kind to yourself. Just do it as an exercise and see if it makes any difference. I bet it will. Yeah. And what about advice for people who want to do really amazing things and live their dream like you have? Just go for it. I mean, do not take no for an answer. Don't allow anybody to dampen your flame. Just do it. You know, I think that's what we proved as the Spice Girls. We went out there, we were like, you know what, we're going to be the biggest band in the world. We are literally going to be an international band. Um, you know, we're going to be more successful than all the boy bands. And we did it, you know, and it, just because we said we were going to, and we all stuck to that. So cool. Thank you so much for your time, Melanie. Thank you for everything you've my done. Pleasure. You're incredible. Oh, my pleasure. Oh. Well, thank you to everyone because, you know, without our wonderful fans out there, it would not have happened. So, you know, we we um, we both, we're in it together. It's teamwork. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it all. That's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to one of the best moments of my life ever. Find and follow us on Instagram at Self Love Club Podcast, where you can watch videos of all our conversations, including this one, and keep up with our content. I will also leave a link in the show notes where you can watch the full chat, our 50-minute conversation on YouTube as well. Follow me at Belle Crawford on Instagram, Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok, and join our private Facebook group. All the details for these in the show notes. 
And one of the most helpful ways you can support us is to make sure that you subscribe or follow on your podcast app, select automatic downloads and leave us a five-star rating and write us a kind review. This really helps us in the charts and helps other people find us as well. And if you're listening in real time as this is released, we're taking a break over Easter. I need some self-care time and we'll have new episodes for you in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, make your way through our four and a half year backlog of episodes with some incredible guests and conversations. I'll catch you soon, Ellie the most. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.